Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. Tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. What's up, my FOMO fans, fans, friends, fans, FOMO, FOMO fans, friends, friends, and FOMO fans. Uh, look at that tongue twister on this Friday. I was going to say, what's up, FOMO fans, friends on a Friday, but I think that's like a tongue twister. So, um, and we all know I talk plenty fast enough, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, I think I'm excited every episode. I th- it's like the worst thing to say is like, I'm excited for this episode because what's the opposite of being excited for an episode? Like, hey guys, I'm sorry I have to do this episode. Um, that's not really the case, but um uh, today we're going to be talking about, you know, this has actually probably been one of my most popular uh, requests, and it's something that uh, I've had so many people reach out to me. I do some mentorship on coaching around this, and really it's been since uh, episode 39. Episode 39, I did uh, the journey to becoming a professional keynote speaker. Uh, that was back in July of last year, and I really broke down what my path was on how I became uh, a keynote speaker, um, really from uh, my early days of speaking back in in, uh, 2004, 2005, uh, to the fact I couldn't get on a stage to save my life in 2014, 2015. And now uh, I've switched my my revenue uh, to about 80% speaking, 20% everything else, uh, where it 2016, it was about 20% speaking revenue uh, and about 80% everything else. And so one of the requests I've got a lot from uh, a lot of you listeners is that you wanted me to talk a little bit more about public speaking, a little bit more about the industry, um, even some things that I want to see changed in the industry. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about disruption. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do differently than other speakers. Um, and remember, you know, a lot of what I'm doing is I'm not bashing how other people do it. I'm just... I I've realized that if I want to stand out from the noise, if I want to um, really enjoy and, and take advantage of what I love to do, then I need to do things a little bit different than everyone else. You know, I don't have a book. Uh, I don't have, uh, you know, 25 years in the industry on stage. Uh, I don't have uh, a C. I'm not a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. I'm not a celebrity um, that gets to be on stage based on just their name alone. And so for those that are listening here, if you don't have a book, uh, if you don't have a speaker reel, if you don't have a um, a you know a celebrity type name, if you don't have this massive email newsletter list, I'm here to tell you that it's not impossible to become a full time public speaker. Now, it's not the easier path. I definitely understand the value of having a book. I understand the value of having a. Um, having a, a video speaker reel, uh, having a website, having a speaker agent, working with speaker bureaus. But one of the things that I realized early on is that, you know, the way that I, I you know, I found, you know, to me, the idea of being a public speaker uh, is kind of interesting. I, I don't think I ever realized um, it was a job that I could do full time. Uh, my good friend and mentor, uh, Scott Stratton, who is the host of the Unmarketing Podcast, uh, check out Unmarketing Podcast. Uh, he hosts that with his wife, Allison. It's it's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, but my, my oh. 
you know, Scott actually talks about when he was 14 years old, he actually wanted to be a public speaker. That was what he wanted to do at 14. Uh, I believe he was watching Les Brown and realized, hey, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, Scott was 14 when he discovered that. Uh, I was 35 years old or 36 years old. I'm now 37 years old. And I realized that I want to do this for the rest of my life. I found my dream job. I found the job that I want to do forever. I, this is, um, you know, being on stage is my true Zen. But it wasn't until the last couple of years that I realized a, that you could make money doing it B that this could be a full-time profession and C that I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And so, you know, interestingly enough, and I, and I say this with as much, you know, love as I possibly could is that when I started analyzing the speaker industry, when I started looking at who was getting paid, how much people were getting paid, um, really what, what was working in this space, you know, I will, I will put it frankly, it's, it was very much and really much is, uh, an old white guys club. There's a lot of, um, you need to know somebody to know somebody to get on stage. Uh, a lot of times what happens is that, you know, um, someone will get on stage and speak at an event and they'll recommend their friend to speak speak at the event the next year. And when you're trying to break into that kind of space, it's very difficult. Um, not only are people threatened by people that do things differently than them, but they also realize that they have it really good, right? And just because you throw speaker in your bio or just because um, you've spoke at uh, an industry event doesn't mean that you're going to disrupt the, the keynote speaker business or those that are professional speakers. Because for me, speaking is much more than just what you do on stage. It's a, it's an art. It's a craft. It's you know, it's the performance. It's your ability to move an audience. You know, uh, a lot of my we, we talk about this a lot. Is you know, you're not paid for the one hour you're on stage to deliver a message. You're paid to you know deliver a message to sometimes hundreds of people, thousands of people, even hundreds of thousands of people. And not only are you paid to convey those messages, but you need to be intimate. You need to put on a show. You need to deliver it in a way that everyone in the audience can relate to it. Uh, one of the things that I work really hard on is I, I work really hard at understanding my audience, understanding who they are, what they care about. Um, I also study nonverbal cues. I want to understand, you know, if someone in my audience uh, all of a sudden looks disinterested, how can I adjust my my keynote speeches to the, where they adjust to my audience. Um, on top of that, you know, even how I build out my slide deck, uh, the font that I use on my slides, the colors I use for the background, these are all things that I factor in to what I do as a keynote speaker. But I also realized that, you know, a lot of speakers, and I talk about this, you know, fairly often uh, with, you know, in the, in the mastermind groups that I'm in, is a lot of speakers, you know, they fly into an event, they speak for one hour or 30 minutes or two hours on stage, and then they sneak out the back door and they leave. And I remember for me, I mean, I remember, and I, I give Jay Bear uh, a lot of credit. Jay Bear is one of my favorite speakers that are out there. And Jay Bear, for an event that I was attending back in 2013, I remember him sitting in the front row watching all of the other speakers on stage and supporting them and, and tweeting about them and taking pictures with them. And he was really a part of the community. He was part of the audience. And one of the takeaways I remember, you know, when I went back up to my hotel room is I said, you know what, one day when I'm getting paid and my full-time job is being a keynote speaker, I'm going to be a part of that community. I'm going to go above and beyond just flying in, speaking and flying out. I want to provide so much value. I want to be a part of the event. 
And that is something I do now for all of the events that I speak at. So if someone hires me to speak, if they're paying me my full fee to speak at their event, what they get is they don't just get me for the one hour. They get me for the entire day. And I, and I tell them that I will, I will tweet at the event. I will take pictures with the audience. I'll do interviews with the sponsors. I'll do interviews with local news companies. I'll interact with the audience. I'll sit in different sessions. Um, and I even actually tell the event managers that if they want to use me more than just the one hour, they can do so. If they want me to broadcast a podcast live from one of the events, I know some of you guys have heard, you know, I've recorded recorded this podcast live at different events. Um, maybe they want me to moderate a panel. Maybe they want me to do a fireside chat um, in one of the side rooms. Because for me, I absolutely love being a part of that that movement, right? And I think my value as a speaker is not only what I do on stage, but my ability to understand my customer, to understand what the audience wants. And you know, one of my one of my things that I do really well is that I will sit in in uh, and I did this last week in an event in Atlanta. Is I showed up my my presentation was at one thirty in the afternoon, and I showed up at eight a.m. and I sat in different sessions at eight o'clock, at nine thirty. 10:30 and then when I was on stage what I was able to do is I was able to call back to those different sessions I was able to call back to those different you know people that I saw on stage I was able to to give kudos to other speakers and not only do I do that because it adds value to my presentation, it adds credibility to my presentation, but it also you know, lends itself to giving love to those other speakers that I think are doing really well. It also reiterates things. You know, as a speaker, we all know that you know, someone can't hear something once and then it resonates. They have to hear something multiple times from multiple different people. And so one of the ways that I worked really hard at kind of disrupting the industry or disrupting the space is that, you know, I commit myself to being a part of the event, uh, even sometimes spending more than a day at the event um, so that I can be totally immersed in what the people care about, what they don't care about, uh, you know, how I can add the most value. The other thing I do is, you know, I leverage my digital footprint. You know, I'm very lucky and blessed to have, a, you know, a quarter million or so followers across social social media. And it's interesting, you know, oftentimes people are hired because of their celebrity status or they're hired because they have millions of followers on Instagram or, or they have a huge YouTube channel. But funny enough, they have all those, you know, those followers on all those channels. But when they speak at the event, they don't even do a video or they don't talk about it on their YouTube channel. And so one of the things that I realized early on was, you know, event professionals put a lot of weight into your quote unquote celebrity status. But a lot of speakers don't leverage that celebrity status to make that event better. And so if someone hires me, it's included in my uh, in my contract that I will do two promotional videos for my, my events. Um, I will do a video when I arrive um, on site at the event and I will post it on Twitter. I will pin it to my Twitter accounts. Um, I also include that I will do 10 tweets while I'm at the event, including the event hashtag. Uh, I will also post at least once uh, to my Instagram account. I will do an Instagram story from their live event. I will include the logo of their event on my website. Um, I will promote that event uh, you know, on my podcast leading up to the event itself. And these are all things that I include as part of my package. And part of the reason for that was, is I wanted to go above and beyond because here's one of the things, one of the things that I want to, I always give advice when, when someone asks me about becoming a speaker, 
You have to be confident when you're negotiating your speaker fee and tell people, hey, I should be paid $10,000 or I should be paid $12,000 or, you know, in full transparency right now, my speaking fee is $15,000 is what I get paid to speak. And, and here's the thing, you know, you have to not only be confident that you're, that you're worth that amount of money, but you have to be able to convey why you're worth that amount of money. And some people will say books or how long they've been on stage. But one of the things for that I, that I realized is that when I moved from $10,000 per keynote to $15,000 per keynote. One of the things that I that I did was I I included all of these digital assets and I and I firmly believe that when a brand or an event or an association hires me to speak that I will I will provide them way more than $15,000 in value because I include my digital assets. I include being very personable and being very um, you know accessible when I'm at the event. I also know that when I deliver Deliver a keynote on stage for someone that's paid me to speak. It's very personalized. It's very. I do my research on the brand. I read the blog post on the brand. I interview employees that are at the company so that I better understand what their pain points are. And so for me, you know, by including all of these extra things into my into my contracts, it actually allows me to be very confident with my speaker fee. And that's something, you know, for for those that are growing as a speaker, maybe you're trying to go from speaking for free to speaking for, you know, $1200 or $1500 or or $2000. You know, one of the things I always tell, you know, you know, and one of the things I recommend is you have to be able to convey your value. You have to be con- confident on what your worth is. And, and it's amazing for me because oftentimes I will get feedback from event managers after I speak and they'll go, wow, Brian, you're not only were you one of the best speakers on stage, but you're right. All of the other things that you add to the event are why, why I think you should, you know, you blew my doors off. You made my sponsors look good. You made me as the event organizer look good. And I think, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And I think for everyone that's out there right now, when you want to disrupt an industry, you know, you can't just disrupt for disruption's sake. You know, I, I used to laugh, like people thought that I was disrupting the speaker industry because I wore a backwards hat and I wore my crazy colored Converse shoes or my bright colored red shoes on stage. That really wasn't how I was disrupting. You know, that was me being myself. And yes, there are some times where events, you know, most people on stage have a shirt and tie and, and a jacket, but disrupting based on your clothing isn't really, you know, that's just because because that's who I am. The way that I like to disrupt is I like to do things above and beyond what others are willing to do. And I think that's something that's really important um, for the speaker space. The other thing is I advocate for other speakers. You know, uh, one of the ways that I get a lot of my speaking gigs is that other speakers vouch for me and I'm very big into vouching for other speakers. Um, I also am a big advocate for equality on stage. Uh, I recently backed out of speaking at CES because they did not have any female keynote speakers and that to me uh, is a complete shame, not only because I believe in equality, but I'm a dad of three girls and I want my daughters to grow up in a world where they have equal opportunity chances in everything they do and that includes being on stage. Um, I'm also a big believer in crafting the right content and the right message. Um, I recently turned down a, a gig because they wanted me to speak on a topic that I wasn't an authority on. I couldn't, you know, and, and yes, I talk about a wide range of topics, but what I did was I told them, I was like, 
what I would love to do is I would love to speak at your event next year on marketing to millennials. But this topic that you wanted to speak on, which is really about SEO and providing a really good search engine optimization, I have a friend that can speak really well on that topic and I think you should hire that person. And so I take a lot of pride in that, uh, that aspect as well. And then last but not least, I think, you know, just because an event is an offline event doesn't mean that it shouldn't be 365 days a year. And so I, I also believe in engaging with the community. Uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, at uh, iSocialFans on Twitter, you'll notice that I will participate on the hashtag for the event the week leading up to the event. I will engage with my audience. I'll do video replies. Um, when I'm at the event, I'll take selfies with people. I'll tag people. Um, in pictures. And then after the event, I will reply to different tweets. I will uh, happily do quotes and blog posts. Uh, I'll be interactive with audiences after the event because for me, it's not only providing a value on uh, on stage, but it's also helping it to inspire people to take action. You know, my um, the book that I'm writing, my, my current message is press the damn button. And press the damn button for me includes, you know, what I do on stage and how I deliver my messages on stage. And then the other part of this that I think that's really important for the event industry is that, you know, just because someone's a celebrity, just because someone has a big name or they wrote a bunch of books, doesn't mean they're going to be great on stage, doesn't mean they're the right fit for your audience. And I think this is one of those things that I think for for event managers out there, when they hire me, when someone comes to me and says, Brian, we want you to speak at your uh, at our event, my first reply is, why do you think I'm a good fit for your event? And the reason I ask that question is because I want to make sure that I am a good fit. And I also want to understand what their thought process is for hiring me. And I think too often we hire somebody because they're a celebrity or because their name's going to look good on the marquee. But is that really what your audience wants? Or does your audience want someone that they can relate to? Someone that's going to help move the needle in their business, maybe inspire them to do better in their life. And I think there's a there's a kind of a wide range. And the other part of this is... As a speaker, I want my audience to trust me. I want them to trust my message. And I often find it difficult when I'm listening to celebrity speakers and celebrities on stages. I don't trust their message because half the time I don't even think they do what they say they do. And, and most people you know, that have that instant you know, credibility or that instant fame, they don't even know how they came across becoming famous, right? Uh, and I think this is something that the industry sometimes forgets. And for those that are in, in listening, yes, it's cool to listen to a celebrity, but is it really going to help your audience? And my, my tagline for those that hire me and something that I, I take a lot of pride in, as I tell people this all the time, is I say, you, you know, you're going to hire me to speak and I'm not going to sell a lot of tickets before the event, but I'm going to sell tickets for next year's event. And the reason I believe in that is I know that I'm going to provide so much value before I get on stage, while I'm on stage, and then after I get off stage, that people are going to want to come to your event next year because they're going to want more people like me on their stage. And I think that 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 is why I take pride in that. And that's where I think things are moving. I, I don't believe we're going to do away with offline events. I actually think that the more that we get into virtual reality and augmented reality, the more we become attached to our devices 
services and connected in this digital world, the more we're going to desire offline connections, the more we're going to desire um, opportunities for us to put our phone down and connect with people human to human and look people in their in their eyeballs and give hugs and, and handshakes. And, and I've said this for the longest time that I do not believe social media or digital marketing will ever replace a handshake, will ever replace a hug, will ever replace an offline event. But what I do believe, if your event is very valuable and if you believe in building trust with your audience and connecting with people and truly making a difference, your event should be able to leverage social media and digital to scale that relationship, to build that rapport. And I don't care if it's your company event every year or an industry event or an association event. I believe you have to you have to understand the value of digital. You have to connect these two worlds. And and interestingly enough, now um, I'm I've been hired by two different event companies. Um, actually, one's a a giant company, uh, a, a brand, and then one is an association. And they've actually hired me to consult on building um, their speaker roster, help them craft uh, topics for the for their different um, sessions. They've hired me to connect them with speakers, um, and I'm not represented by a speaker bureau at the moment. But you know, I I do believe that bureaus and speaker agents, you know, they have massive value. But at the same time, um, is how do we extend beyond just the good old boy network or the old white guy club, and how do we start? moving the needle. I, I believe that once we start disrupting and we start focusing on what value someone can provide, um, it's going to really disrupt and change the speaker industry as a whole. And the other part of this is, and I want people to remember this, is just because you're a good CEO, even just because you're a good podcast host, or just because you're a good manager of your team, does not mean you will be a great speaker. You know, I spend a lot of time crafting my message. I spend a lot of time practicing what I'm going to say, where I'm going to walk on stage, how I'm going to transition between uh, slides, how I'm going to use different examples. I, I spend a lot of time um, studying others. I study a lot of storytelling. I study a lot of great, um, you know, deliverers of content. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Nancy Duarte. Uh, Nancy Duarte talks a lot about um, she studies uh, Steve Jobs' presentations and Martin Luther King's presentations. Um, I recently spent about an hour and a half watching watching some of uh, Barack Obama's best presentations so that I could understand how he conveyed his message, what words that he used. And I think, you know, to be a great speaker... It's a lot of, it's a mix between being inspirational, being connected, but it's also about being able to adapt to your audience. And, and I recently said this, that I, I believe we're living in the greatest time in history because if you are a marketer right now, you have the ability to, to really market in so many different unique ways, but you have to be open to change and open to rolling with the punches and open to understanding that you have to, you can't just give one message and give that one message always. And the interesting thing is I think there's a lot of speakers that have been giving the exact same keynote for seven years and it's been working but here's the breaking news is that's going to stop working and people are going to start seeing through that you're going to stop getting hired and the people that are willing to adapt the people that are willing to adjust their presentations the people that are willing to adjust even what they talk about on stage or how they interact with the audience these are all things that I think are going to start to be rewarded and I, I'm a big believer in that I, you know just recently uh, Gary Vaynerchuk 
Chuck launched his own speaker agency, uh, speaker bureau called Vayner Speakers, and he said he's ready to disrupt the industry. And I do believe the speaking industry is in the process of being disrupted. I believe the event management space is in the process of being disrupted. Uh, just much, you know, just the same of, uh, of what is a good speaker and, and think about it yourself for those that are listening to this. What are some of the best speakers that you've ever heard? You know, I would love for you to send me a tweet at iSocialFans and tag some of your favorite speakers in there. Because the other thing about this is just because someone is a is a friend or a great author or a great uh, on social media does not mean they will be great on stage. But I believe everyone has a story to tell. And if you if you want to be on stage, you know it's funny because you know the, the public speaking is one of the number one fears. People actually fear uh, public speaking more so than spiders, more so than flying in an airplane or or bungee jumping. Um, and interestingly enough, about that is I also have a lot of friends that want to be public speakers. And here's the other piece about that is not everyone is great at being a public speaker. Some people are great behind a microphone. Some people are great on video. Some people are great, um, you know, on video as well as on stage, but it is a craft. It is something that you have to practice. It is something you need um, to to really uh, you know invest in. And I've been very blessed. I, I I'm part of a mastermind group that has allowed me to um, you know really invest in my craft as a speaker. Um, I'm part of uh, a lot of different uh, you know study groups. I I, I spent a lot of my time studying this craft. So. I think last but not least, and, and kind of how I'll leave you guys on this sh- on this episode is, you know, people come to me and say, Brian, you know, where do you see the speaker industry going in the future? And here's the thing. I think we're going to see more events, more offline events, but we're going to see events that connect offline and online. We're also going to see a lot more speakers now getting um, credibility, not because they wrote a book, not because they are celebrity status, but because they inspire an audience to take action. You know, I, I recently did a, a project... Um, um, on an influencer project uh, with Adobe, Adobe Spark. And you guys can check out Adobe Spark uh, influencer project on my Instagram. But I did a project with them and, and I was talking to the lead uh, over there at Adobe and I told them the, the I take a lot of pride in being an influencer. And I told them that being an influencer for me isn't about how many followers I have. It isn't about my social media following or what my, my content is. It's about building trust and having so much trust with my community that when I tell them to do something or I show them a new tool or talk about a new product, I inspire them to take action. And as a keynote speaker, I take that same that same onus on myself. Is my job as a speaker is to not only entertain you, is not only inspire you and educate you, but my my true goal is to motivate you to take action. I am not there to sell unicorns and rainbows. I am not there to dance or sing. What I am there to is hopefully translate the geek speak, connect with you at a deep level, and inspire you to take action. One of my favorite compliments when I get off stage, you know, people often will say, well, I guess there's two compliments that I love. People will say, Brian, you're the exact same person uh, offline and on social media as you are on stage. And then the other thing I love hearing from my audiences, and I, and I want people to think about this, is people will come up to me and say, Brian, 
what you were talking about is something I've been thinking about for a long time and I've been really wanting to do that. And I, and I knew that I, this was something that was important, but it wasn't until your story. It wasn't until hearing you present, hearing you speak, did it, did it click. And now I'm excited to go do what I've been thinking about doing, because here's the thing. I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to be, uh, you know, this master of everything. But my goal is, is to hopefully really, relate different stories and different aspects of different concepts so that people either rethink something or I inspire them to do what they're already thinking. And I think that's what makes a great speaker. And I think that's where we're moving forward in this industry. So uh, I'm also very blessed. Uh, you know, one of the things I like to say is if you have a niche, those that are listening to this and you guys have heard my spiel on niches a lot, I've talked about, you know, I have no niche and I think, you know, not having a niche and not having a book, not having a speaker reel, not being the CEO of a successful company. These are things that have limited my success or made it harder for me to be successful as a speaker. But I, I've been able to push through that. But if you have a niche right now, I recommend you owning that niche, going all in with that niche and speaking on that niche and, and being the very best at that individual niche. Because I think that's something that um, a lot of people overlook. And because you know I'm very blessed, like this month alone, I'm speaking at a medical technology conference. I'm speaking at a real estate developer conference. I'm speaking at a B2B marketing conference. I'm speaking at a digital summit. And then I'm speaking at a pro beauty event. These are a wide range of different events and different topics I'm speaking at. And so because I don't have a niche, I'm able to speak at all of these different events. But at the same time, it's harder for me to find different events or for people to, people will come to me and say, Brian, I want to hire you to speak, but what do you talk about? And I'm like, well, I talk about influencer marketing. I talk about personal branding. I talk about marketing to millennials. I talk about the importance of telling your story, the importance of social video. I talk about the future of storytelling in a virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence world. And for many, that's overwhelming. And I, and I understand that. And I'm okay with that because I think my niche is the fact that I have no niche and I talk about everything and anything. But I think that's also a way to stand out. And so for those that are out there right now, if you want to break into this field, I recommend owning your niche. I recommend recommend getting on as many stages as you possibly can. Speak at your local uh, Toastmasters. Go to a local meetup. Um, document those journeys. You know, Get on as many stages as you can. But uh, I think that in this world we're living in right now, you have to have a message. You have to invest in yourself. But I can tell you, um, I absolutely love that I found my dream job. I found my calling. Um, there's nothing else in the world I would rather do than be a full-time professional speaker. It is what I will do for the rest of my life. And I am very blessed to to do that. But at the same time, I'm not afraid to disrupt this industry. I'm going to collaborate with bureaus and agencies that are out there. I want to disrupt how event managers reward and incentivize speakers because I love this space so damn much that I want to do it differently. I want to provide so much damn value. And years from now, I want to ba go back and listen to this podcast and realize that we have equality on stage. We are rewarding speakers that build trust with their audience. And it's not about just being a celebrity or, or writing a book. It's about that art of being able to reinvent yourself, connect with your audience and truly do amazing things. So I would love for you guys to celebrate. You know, this is the other thing is that you must celebrate those speakers that are doing something really well, because oftentimes event managers don't know who the best speakers are, because let's face it, we are also really bad at filling out surveys after events. So I challenge you, my call to action for everyone on this episode of the FOMO fans podcast is I challenge you to when you, when you go to 
an event and you see a great speaker, tag them on Twitter, tag the event, celebrate why they are amazing. Tell all of your friends that this speaker is great because we need to celebrate the great speakers because that's how we're going to move the needle. Just because someone's a celebrity or they've been around for a long time doesn't mean they're a great speaker. And I'm a much bigger believer in celebrating those that are great rather than bashing those that are not. So I challenge you, celebrate the good speakers out there, tag them on social media, tell your friends about them. When you see an event that someone should be speaking at, or even for me, if there's an event that you attend and you're like, man, Brian should be speaking at this event, tag me on Twitter, at iSocialFans, and say, hey, Brian, check out this event. They need your message, or you should speak there. Um, I think that's how we're going to move the needle. I truly do believe that together as speakers, as attendees, as advocates for good, we can change this industry. We can disrupt moving forward by celebrating the good and amplifying those that are doing great things. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, on top of this podcast episode on this topic, I'm going to be releasing a uh, 12-part series. I believe it'll be 12-part. A 12-part video series on public speaking, what what I do differently. I'm going to break down that media kit that I talked about. I'm going to break down the videos that I create. I'm going to break down how I use social media, how I how I negotiate my fees. And so I'm going to do that um, very, very soon. I'm going to be recording um, those that 12-part series over the next uh, couple weeks uh, and I will include that in the show notes once that goes live uh, just make sure that you guys are subscribing to the podcast here FOMO fans and if you love this show I would love a, a review on iTunes uh, it doesn't take very long maybe five minutes to really, uh, leave a review but that's how more people find the podcast um, the more reviews the more credit you give it and also remember I have a new podcast launching with my friend Amy Landino it comes out in November of 2018 I can't wait to deb- debut that with you guys as well so I have three podcasts Smack Talk which I co-host with Daniel Newman of course FOMO Fans which you guys are listening to right now and I love you for listening and then my new one coming out with Amy Landino I'm not going to give you the title or the new name of the new show until uh, it comes out next week but uh, thank you guys so much for listening thank you for supporting me as a speaker I get a majority of my speaking gigs through you guys the listeners telling your bosses to hire me uh, for celebrating me on social media I would say 60 percent of my leads come in from listeners, from friends, from those that are following me on social media. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to do the job that I love. I truly found my calling. I hope you find your calling. And if that calling happens to be public speaking and I can help you in any way, reach out to me. I would love to help. Uh, I'm coaching a couple uh, people right now on becoming better speakers themselves. And it's truly an amazing craft. There's nothing else I'd rather do in the world. Till next time, my friends. Support our sponsors, Iographer. Their information is in the show notes. Do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review. But most of all, celebrate the good. If you see someone good, a good speaker, a good facilitator, if there's a podcast that you love, let's celebrate the good. Let's focus this holiday season. Let's focus every day on celebrating those that are doing good stuff because the world needs more good people. And there's lots of good people doing good things that not enough people know about. And I truly appreciate you guys. Cheers, my friends. Make it a great day.